May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable unto you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is a great joy to be with you this morning. For those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Drew. I'm uh, Jamie's younger brother. Many of you may know Jamie. Um, I used to be here when we were worshiping in the barn, in the octagon, before we moved to this building. I currently am serving in the Middle East, and I'm here until tomorrow morning. So uh, then I fly back to Egypt, where I live. So I'd like to bring greetings to you from my bishop, who's the Archbishop or Primate of the province of Jerusalem in the Middle East. Um, It is a province that includes about 22 countries in the Middle East and about 40 to 50,000 worshiping Anglicans. So we bring greetings to you this morning. I'd also like to thank Father Joe for the opportunity uh, of being here this morning. Many of you may remember in last week's readings from the first book of Samuel, we have a story of how David was chosen. Do any of you recall that from last week? A few of us. So David is chosen uh, from among his brothers, and he's lifted up to lead the whole nation. And the Gospel of Mark, last week's Gospel reading, talked about the different parables, a parable about a mustard seed and how it grows into a simple tree. It's not like a mighty oak tree. It's not a small, simple brush, but a simple tree. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's nothing mighty in many ways. It's a simple thing, but it is mighty nonetheless. Now, in this morning's reading, we follow up from those two passages. In 1 Samuel, David goes out and he's getting ready to fight the giant Goliath. He goes out with confidence in God's help. He goes out understanding, trusting in God that God at all times is good and is always near at hand. David believes that he is never facing something alone. And his courage then seems rooted not in his, his own physical strength or prowess or his own ability, but it's rooted in who God is and the strength of God. Faith. David had faith. If David was to beat the giant Goliath, it wouldn't have been in David's own strength. It was because God was with him. If David is a hero, it is because God made him a hero. Even when he describes, uh, he, he tells Saul that he's killed many lions and bears and other animals, which is impressive for a young boy. But he gives credit to God even in those things. He said, the Lord saved me from the lion and from the bear, and he will save me from the hand of this Philistine. David had confidence that it was God's will for him personally and for the nation because he is a member of the family of God. Yet David is in stark contrast this morning to the passage we read from our gospel. The disciples are in the boat with Jesus in the midst of a storm facing a similar giant in many ways. And even though they were seasoned fishermen... They were very afraid. Now, I think there's an important factor here is that this story that we read from the Gospel of Mark, this this story of Jesus and the disciples out on the boat, is also told in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke. 
In all three stories, Jesus is with the disciples in a boat, and a storm comes, and Jesus has fallen asleep. Terrified, the disciples wake him, and he calms the storm by calling out across the watery chaos to quiet the wind. The story is important for us this morning. Because in spite of the powerful things that they've already seen Jesus do, this is Mark chapter 4. The disciples have been with Jesus for for, uh, uh, quite a time already. They've seen Jesus heal. They've seen Jesus do other miracles. But they didn't have a lot of faith. They were certain that they were headed for destruction. They said to Jesus, Don't you care that we're perishing? It's slightly ambiguous. It may indicate that they have a lack of confidence that Jesus could act, but it may also mean that they wondered if Jesus would act in the midst of this crisis. Not only could he do it, but would he do it? Don't you care, they ask? Instead of trusting in Jesus, they feared a great fear. They feared what was around them, the circumstances around them. Meanwhile, Jesus is asleep. I don't know if you can imagine this, a, a storm and, and, the, and the waves coming up and, and boats at that time. The, the, the sides of the boats were not very tall. These aren't massive ships that we have like today. The water was coming into the ship and Jesus is asleep. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to note even that they say Jesus is asleep on a pillow. Jesus is calm. Jesus is asleep in the midst of this storm. It didn't bother Jesus. The storm is a great threat to the, to the disciples. But Jesus rebukes the sea into submission. We also might recall a similar story in the Bible about a storm. A storm in the life of Jonah, the prophet, who similarly sleeps through a violent storm all around him and is awakened by the panic of the sailors, of the crewmen. In fact, Mark is writing for a first century community who saw Jonah as a symbol for Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. We recall that Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the great fish for three days. Mark is writing and addressing a community that felt like they too were amidst great storms, facing persecution, feeling small and powerless, that the waves are coming up and crashing against them. So the Gospel writer, Mark, writes this to strengthen our faith, that we may trust, like the early church and the church today, in God's goodness at work, beneath the surface of every storm and beneath the surface of every trial. Now, it would be easy to say, to reduce these readings to the assurance that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Right? Wouldn't it be nice? Nothing bad would ever happen to us. But we know that's not true. We are to expect to face storms. Being Jesus' disciple didn't protect them from the storms. Why will it protect us? Christians live in a context where there are not only external but internal storms against us. A 
And Paul, we read from Second Corinthians, experienced many storms. And he had been beaten and shipwrecked. Storms are part of life. But the disciples, when they cried out, they knew who to cry out to. And they knew that if they cried out, Jesus would answer. They didn't know how Jesus would answer, but they knew that Jesus would answer. During our storms, we're often afraid. We, like the disciples, say, we are perishing. Jesus, do something. And Jesus says that our fear can be indicative of a lack of faith. And we need to grow in our faith, like the parable that immediately precedes the story, the parable of what the kingdom of God is like, and it's like a mustard seed and how it grows. We need to have faith in the midst of the storms. And we need to know the word of God to prepare us for these storms. We need to know the word of God to learn how to pray. We need to know the word of God to understand that our kingdom And the treasures that we store up are not here on earth, but are in heaven. Now the disciples were afraid. I think we would have been too. I don't know if any of you are sailors. I've gone on out. I've gone out on a few boats in my lifetime. Uh, nothing massive, um, but I've enjoyed being out on the water. And there is a certain fear. You don't know what to expect. There could be a storm that just comes in and you're, you were not expecting it. Something could go wrong on the boat. We have personal experience. Things go wrong on boats. Um, and the disciples were afraid. But they realized that someone traveling with them had power. Who could that be? What might Jesus then require of them? if he performs this miracle? How could they even survive being in the presence of God? For the disciples' fear was as much a part of the experience after Jesus calmed the storm as before he did. They didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus was still revealing himself to them. And they wondered, even this man can calm storms? In the Old Testament, we know that only God had the power to do that. So the disciples are confronted with someone who was God. Now, we might want to make this passage a, a consoling story of what we hold on to when we are tossed about in the storms of life. And it's important to have that in mind, yes. But there's a big and important question we have to ask ourselves. Not only... Is this gospel, is this story in the four gospels? But there's something so vital in this story that the gospel would not be complete without it. When we read the story, we remember that Jesus says, Peace, do not be afraid, peace and be still. Peace, be still. Jesus doesn't come into our lives to overwhelm us uh, by his presence or by his power. We recall in the Old Testament when the glory of God filled the temple, and uh, the, sh the, the doorposts would shake. And there was great smoke and, and a fire or a cloud. 
Jesus came not to draw us to fear, but to take our fear away. I think that's one of the major points. If you don't remember anything else that I say today, Jesus came not to bring fear, but to take fear out of our lives. And the disciples were perplexed because how could someone so powerful that could control the sea and the storms walk on earth, be their master, be with them through all circumstances? We know fear in our own lives. We've seen illness, we've seen suffering and death, we've seen emotional suffering from loss and loneliness. We all share anxiety of what is to come. People in Egypt particularly share anxiety at this moment as they've elected a new president, but the military continue to step in and wield different power. And we don't know what's going to happen in the days to come. But we don't have to be afraid. We know that Jesus is with us. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. We know that Jesus is with us amidst any circumstance and amidst any storm in our lives. There are storms in our church. There are storms in our denomination. There are storms in the lives of, I would guarantee, every single person in this room. There's something that is shaking us. There's something that is coming against us. But we need not be afraid, because the Master is with us. Peace. Do not be afraid. These are the same words that the angels would speak the shepherds, the same words that were spoken at the tomb, the empty tomb, when it was discovered. Do not be afraid. Now one thing that we have not addressed so far this morning is the journey itself. Jesus had been teaching for a while in a familiar place and in somewhat safe territory among his own people. But he doesn't go home for a good night's rest. Instead, he does the thing that restless seekers do. He sets out in unfamiliar and unsafe territory. Jesus went across into Gentile territory. And many of us may miss the significance of this, but Jesus was taking, in many ways, another step of faith. Jesus was walking out and bringing this same peace, the same confidence, not only to the Jewish people, but to other peoples, so that all nations could find the same kind of peace and the same kind of strength that Jesus' disciples had. Now there's a lot for us to consider in these passages this morning, including how the reality of God's presence and love is with us in every circumstance. We also need to consider God's power and His majesty. Surely the storm and Goliath were far less fearsome than the experience that many of us have. But we have faith. We have faith. We have faith that God is with us. We have faith that amidst the storms God will do great things. We have faith that 
Jesus is, is on the boat with us. That Jesus is with us, never leaving us or forsaking us, and answering our prayers. The external elements and the internal elements of our lives that are plagued by that are plagued by disaster or war, that are plagued by hurt or fear. Jesus is with us. Now my question then to you, we, we can't just live in the comfort of Jesus being with us. It's a great comfort, but we have to do something about it. Jesus is with us in, in every context and circumstance. And he takes our fear away. So my question to you, where and what are the places in your lives that Jesus is calling you to? What are the places in your lives that you have previously been afraid to go to? Where are the places in your community that you've been afraid to travel? Where are the places in your heart that you've been afraid to let Jesus enter? Jesus has come not to bring fear and not to bring condemnation, but to bring peace and to bring hope and to give us faith that will help us along the journey in life. It's not an easy journey. I know that and you know that. But it's a journey. It's a journey that we all have to make and a journey that can be marvelous when we realize the presence of God with us and when we can encourage other people to take steps of faith. Let's look at one other passage this morning. For many of us, when we are afraid... I don't know if, if, if you've ever done this. Have you just opened your Bible before and put your finger down, hoping that God would answer you from any passage? Some of us have done that. One of the places that you can always turn to which reveals God's heart and the heart of humanity is the book of the Psalms. And even from the beginning of the passage we read for this morning, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. All throughout the Bible we learn that the Lord will be a refuge, our stronghold, our safety, our rock in whom we trust. In Egypt there are the pyramids in Giza, which many of you may have been to, the pyramids which have the sphinx in front of them. But there are some pyramids a few miles down the road in a place called Saqqara. And those pyramids were the prototypes of the original pyramids. And what had happened was the foundation stone was not set exactly right. And when they continued to build layer upon layer upon layer, the pyramid was askew and it fell down. It is in ruins in these days. That's what happens when your foundation is not set on Jesus Christ. 
by the time you continue to build up and up and up and you've gone on your journey, uh, it's askew. Please, this morning, make sure your foundation is on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. Because only Jesus can calm the storms in our lives. Only Jesus can take away and cast away fear and give us something that the world cannot give us. Many people think, oh, if only this would happen, there would be peace in the Middle East. Or if only this would happen, there would be peace in our own countries or our own cities. Their definition of peace is just the absence of war or conflict. That's not real peace. Real peace is when we allow Christ into our lives and He transforms us so that no matter the circumstances around us, we can walk boldly with peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us, how you raised up David, a simple shepherd boy. You used him to kill a mighty giant and the enemy of your people. We thank you that you showed us how you can calm the storms and how you can be a source of great faith and comfort to us, the source of all peace. Lord, I pray that if I have said anything that is not of you this morning, that you take it away from our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds. And I pray that only your words remain, your words which are true, your, your words which are uh, words of life, your words which are the way and the truth and the life. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today as we've shared the word and as we break bread together, as you live in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies and in our very lives, and as we live in your body, cast away fear from our hearts and our minds. And I pray that you would leave peace and confidence and faith. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.